Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' five, that's right, five-game series against the Detroit Tigers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins lose four out of five to the Detroit Tigers. They destroy the opportunity to add some cushion to their lead before their toughest stretch of the season. Dan, the offense all but disappeared in four out of five games. Four for 25 with runners in scoring position. 45 Ks. Dan, it was the B team for the Twins, both in regards to players and broadcasters for this series. Let me tell you, Dan, nobody wanted a part of this five-game series the players the broadcasters this was this was a terrible terrible stretch of games Dan Thompson it was against you know arguably some of the worst teams in baseball right now these are the ones that we thought they were going to be winning but how are they supposed to beat this team really any team when they've got so few healthy players it's pretty nuts Dan every time I update this spreadsheet and I have to keep looking back at the roster and I'm figuring out okay who was called up how many guys what level of IL does this guy go on at this point is it 10 days is it 15 days is it COVID is it 60 days it's getting real frustrating Dan and now they're going to go to Toronto and we don't even know for sure yet as of recording here what guys are actually going to make that trip so good luck with this one we we should jump into it we got to go through these games all five of them i don't want to go through any of them dan if i'm being honest with you series recap everything starts and it seems to be going okay right like the twins looked like they were in this game twins end up losing this one seven to five bundy's on the mound he doesn't look great but he does get through six he gives up four earned runs three strikeouts but nine hits then smith comes in and mcgill to finish out but the twins just can't get it together dan again in this game they went over four with runners in scoring position and your guy garlic dan who's going to feature pretty heavily in this episode i'm guessing here grounds into a double play not a good day for the twins not a good day even you know Luis rise was only one for four uh, I guess he still had a walk. It, Luis Arizo, for him, that's a bad day. Larnack was 0 for 3 in kind of the heart of the lineup. They they were really relying on power here because Sanchez, Miranda, Urshela all had home runs. But again, because they only had four chances with runners in scoring position, only left six guys on. Like, there just weren't that many chances. It's just that the game really got away from there, especially because of some fielding errors. Well, there was the play. You have to go back and watch the replay, folks. It's featured, I think, on the game highlight as far as this game is concerned. But there's a ball hit to Miranda who's shaded towards second base. So he he, get, he makes the play on the ball. Joe Smith is on the mound, and he's making his way to first base. Now, first of all, a quick caveat. Even if they execute perfectly, there's no guarantee that Joe Smith gets to the bag before the runner. However, Miranda inexplicably chucks the ball a foot behind Joe Smith. I mean, nowhere near where that ball needed to be. And again, we're not talking about a long throw here, Dan. We're talking about like 12 feet he needed to clear. It's important, I think, that people remember he's a third baseman by trade. He's not a first baseman in the way that any of the other Twins players are. And granted, Luis Arias isn't either, but dare I say we're, they're missing Miguel Sano's no, defense no. here okay. on this team? Dan, you can't. This is going to be a long episode. You can't start with ridiculous statements right off the bat like this. You're getting me Do you all remember Miguel up. Sano? Yes, I remember. Do I remember Miguel Sano? You know, no, no. It's a memory I'd like to forget, Dan Thompson. <laughs> 
Well, he was injured, by the way, celebrating a walk-off against the Tigers earlier this season. Just just so that's on the table. But anyway, again, yeah, disappointing because then Urshela also commits an error later. Um, and the Tigers, I mean, they had 13 hits. They got plenty of base runners, and the Twins just kind of gave this one away. There's another play that if you're going to watch replays of just, like, funny things that the Twins fielders decided to do, who slipped Kyle Garlick money here? Because Garlick is playing left field, and there's a ball hit by Hill, and it's deep, and it's to the wall, and Garlick seems to have a read on it, and he jumps up, and more or less, from what I figure, Dan, he basically threw the ball over the fence. Like, it wasn't it wasn't like it sort of tapped off his glove. It looked more like he, like, had the ball, and he's like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and give him this home run. It is a ridiculous play. And I do want to say, if Buxton was in center, he steals that ball. Like, he makes that catch. I don't think he lets Garlic go after it. No, and, and this is the problem when you are playing so many backups is that guys are playing, they're playing up in ways that we wouldn't expect them to normally play. And this is how that seeps through. It's it's in the routine or the good that becomes botched. And that's what we saw a lot, not just in this game, but in this whole series. Lone bright spot for me, Dan, in this game, I called the Urshela home run. I was playing some games with some, <laughs> with, the, with some buddies and the game was on. And I said, okay, twins are down one. They need a big hit and Urshela's up at the plate. He's probably going to hit a home run. Lo and behold, there he goes dan thompson and there he goes um well let's go to game two this was a double header so this is how it was a five game series because they had a game one and then they had a double header and then two more games so they smashed five into four essentially but they were full full games david a much more satisfying way to watch baseball couldn't agree more dan twins come away with this first one eight to two devin smeltzer dan Again, the guy who definitely doesn't want to try and have to clear waivers to get back down to AAA goes six and two-thirds, six hits, two runs, both of them earned four strikeouts, and just honestly, a very, very good game from Smeltzer, and he finally got some offensive production to help him out. He did, and the broadcasting teams, as we alluded to, were they looked very different. Jim Cott was actually calling the TV games to go with Dick Bramer, and he pointed out something about how Smeltzer was working so quickly, and he, he I think, very wisely said, well, Smeltzer has spent some time at AAA, where they do have a pitch clock, and we we saw him and we when we saw Cole Sands work pretty quickly, this game was over in two hours and 46 minutes, which for an eight to two game is a pretty quick pace. Totally. And you'll notice each of the games this series, actually, the longest game was game one, Dan, at three hours, four minutes, which is not a long baseball game. Well, this was old style baseball, though, David, where there were basically no runs scored after game two, it felt like. Certainly for the Twins, there was almost nothing left. Uh, Kepler did look good in this game. Uh, he was excellent, but I think it was the only game he played in the whole series <laughs> inexplicably. Uh, he goes three for four with a couple runs, three RBI. He was DHing, though. He never actually got into the field. Um, and so that that is a little bit concerning. And he, I should say, he did DH in game five, uh, but he, we still haven't seen him out in, in the outfield, and they do need his fielding. Yes, it's very evident. I mean, as guys continue to fall, you need to have some guys who who might be injured or might be dealing with something they might need to play through it here, Dan, just to give the Twins some hope. And who would have thought that the Twins would field a new shortstop that wasn't Carlos Correa or Royce Lewis? Jermaine Palacios makes his Major League debut. I don't. I think he might play every game the rest of the season, it seems, at shortstop. I honestly, I thought about this quite a bit because there is no way in his mind that he thought he would start any games for the Twins this season. No. Not no. a chance. Not a chance. So Correa goes down. Lewis goes down. All of a sudden, the phone rings. It's like, what? What's happening here? I'm wondering the mindset there, right? Because if you're a guy at AAA and you know that you're going to be next guy up, you're sort of always sort of not hoping for an injury, obviously, but you're hoping for a chance, really, mm -hmm. regardless of how you get it, if we're, if we're honest here. Every guy yeah, sure. wants a chance. But when you're like three guys down that list, you're not thinking that phone's going to ring. And we were texting a little bit about this, too. Isn't it ironic that Royce Lewis, had he lasted one more day in AAA and not pulled, you know, it's like, ah, I get why the Twins wanted to pull him up 
there, but man, he could be starting at shortstop right now. I don't even know how to understand it, Dan. Isn't it ironic when it rains on your wedding day? You know, it's just that's one of not the- okay. We're not going to get into Alanis Morissette's song. <laughs> that's we don't have enough time for that. Um, there was one other thing we wanted to talk about here in this game was Devin Smeltzer got quite the call uh, <laughs> from. From the home plate umpire. I mean, that ball was probably, what, six inches below the, the strike zone? It was a fastball. wasn't even a breaking ball. And, like, everybody was confused. Everybody was confused. Nobody thought that was a strike. And, like you said, Cott was on the broadcast, and he was just baffled. He's like, well, well, Smelter got a little help with that one. A little help, Dan? That was worse than some of the first pitches you see from people who are, like, standing 10 feet from home plate. It was bad, and they gave him a strike. Well, let's move into game three, a regrettable game three. The Twins lose this one four to nothing. They only muster three hits. Okay, here's my thing, Dan. You make fun of me because I had said one time that you could turn a baseball game off after a certain inning, right? You're telling me right now, if you knew what happened in this game, you would watch any of it, let let alone into like, I don't know, the two innings in which there was scoring for the Tigers in the first and the second? I'm going to admit, I didn't pay much close attention to this game. (laughs) I was following it a little bit. The Tigers get those runs. And then, you know, well, I did have some hope because of the lineup that the Twins trotted out here because Buxton played, he DH'd, and then it was a rise guard like Polanco, Larnack. That's not a bad lineup. You would think they'd produce some runs here against a guy who came in with a pretty high ERA. I mean, the Tiger starter Wentz, his ERA improved to 8-10 after this four-inning outing for him. So really surprising they weren't able to score some runs against this guy. I don't want to talk anymore about this game, Dan. Okay, well, let's move on to game four. Game four was not a bunch better. I don't want to talk about this game, Dan. <laughs> well, I will, I'll I'll chip in here a little bit. So the Twins lose this one 5 nothing. only two hits. It actually got worse then than the game before. Bailey Ober wasn't as sharp as the Twins would like him to be. He goes six innings, but he gives up nine hits, five runs, four strikeouts. His ERA has climbed above four. You know, McGill came in and, and did all right to kind of close the game out so they didn't have to burn more arms. But again, and this one too, I think that they trotted out definitely the B team lineup here, David. Watching this game, the very first pitch of the game that I saw overthrow, I was like, uh uh-oh. He didn't have his best stuff. It was obvious. From the get-go, the Tigers were on him. It was bad, Dan. It was just bad. It was it was definitely, I would say, his worst outing that a team probably could have punished him even more than they did. Well, and he will be starting, you know, one of these next two series. I guess it would be the, the one after he'll play against the Yankees. He's gonna have to be a whole lot better. I'm I'm trying to hold off talking about the, the next couple of series here, Dan. I'm not feeling so confident going into those. Well then let's look at game five because game five did look much more promising. The twins led this one two to one all the way to the eighth inning. I actually went to get lunch real quick and then I came back and the twins were behind and they were down a batter in the ninth inning. Terrible Dan Twins lose this one 3-2. And what's most disappointing, Dan, your guy, Chris Archer, pitched five innings. Why is he my guy? How did he become my guy? He's your guy. He's your guy, Dan. Certainly. Well, he did go five innings, which was impressive, and he threw only 57 pitches. I mean, that's a very efficient outing. It has to be if he's ever going to get past four, Dan, because Rocco (laughs) pulls him before he gets to 60. And the irony, of course, is that he's in line to get the win here. And what was so disappointing here is that Pagan comes in, and it's not like Pagan's been used. Pagan hadn't even pitched in the series until this, and he gives up a home run to Daz Cameron, who, another one of those baseball players, David, I remember his father, Mike Cameron, playing vividly. It feels like Mike Cameron was still playing a couple years ago, and here's his son out here. Quick note here. Quick note. On the broadcast, so this is the radio broadcast. <laughs> I, I was in the office today, so, so I was listening to the game on the radio. And let me tell you, Dan, 
it would be difficult to choose a worse pairing for a baseball radio broadcast than Dan Gladden and Tim Lautner. It was like it was like these two guys were lost, and they somehow found microphones, and they were like, "Hey, we sh- we should talk about this baseball game a little bit." I'm only I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I have one highlight that I just have to say because Dan Gladden is talking about Chris Archer's strikeouts, and Dan Gladden says coming into the game that Chris Archer has. A- 1,999 strikeouts, okay, in his career. And then after Archer registers a strikeout, Dan Gladden goes, and that was Archer's 4,000th strikeout in his career. And I'm like, what? 4,000? What, what is happening? Not a clue. But then what makes it worse, Gladden has to go back and correct this. And he says, oh, actually, to start the game, he was at 1,399 strikeouts. And now his total is 1,400 strikeouts. It's like... He couldn't get the math right, Dan. There was no hope that he was going to get the right numbers coming out of his mouth in regards to Chris Archer and his career strikeout numbers. For the record, if that were his 4,000th strikeout, he would be fifth all-time in strikeouts. Um, What this reminds me of is that there is talent to being a play-by-play guy that is different than being a baseball player who comes in and does commentary on the radio. Yes. Corey Provis is a pro. Yeah. We will never we will never say a bad word about Corey Provis again no. on this on this broadcast. So yeah, I don't mean to be too harsh. And like honestly, yeah, as a color guy, I like Laudner and I like and I like Gladden. And Laudner had some interesting perspectives on the catcher and the new electronic signaling system to the pitcher. However, you can't have two ex MLB players stand doing the doing the baseball announcing. It just doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> all right. Well, David, we've spent long enough talking about these games. Let's uh, let's go into Puckett's Picks. Touch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. I'm boycotting. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's not fair. It's stupid. It's stupid. I Should do not we start care. picking backups here for the, for the Puckett's Picks just in case? Quite frustrating. So, folks, I took Correa. Okay, and I'm thinking I have a good, solid chance here. And then Correa ends up on the COVID list, but he ends up on the COVID list after... The picks have been made, and there wasn't enough time to get an alternate pick in. So here's the thing. I would be less upset if it seemed like he would have lost anyway. But the listeners win this one with a rise with two points. Two points. Dan loses with Buxton, who has one point. So I come in last for picking a guy who didn't play, and I almost won anyway. I know. And the irony, and we'll talk about this later, Buxton came in and pinch hit, and he and he struck out. And uh, without that strikeout, I'm actually tied here. I, I didn't do the math on the tiebreaker, but good for the listeners. They hadn't won in a long time. So Luis Arise uh, wins this one. I guess I can do the standings here. So, David, you, you still have the lead overall in the season. You have seven. I have five. The listeners now have four. And so we're, we're back on track. Back on track. What does that even mean, Dan Thompson? Well, it means it's it's more competitive now. Okay. Right? The listeners okay. needed to win one here. So. All right. Well, let's keep going, Dan. We'll Beast go versus that. Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. David, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lot to say here. I am giving my Beast to Kepler because he had one good game. Like I said, he played in game five, too. But he was three for four with a three RBI in game two. And then I, I don't really know of anybody else who did much to contribute to this team. I, well, I'm going to take Scope, I think. Uh, he had a really great <laughs> he performance. He no longer plays for the Twins, oh. David. 
Oh, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> we didn't need him. Didn't need him. Quite disappointing. But Scope did have a very good series, both in he the did. field he uh, and the It always seems plate. to against the Twins. It does seem like he has an extra chip on his shoulder, certainly, right? And what about your bench? Oh, no. I should probably give the Beast moniker to somebody. Uh, oh, you so, should. I'm sorry. You so want to give it to give an it to Ur- Twins player? I'm going to give it to Urshela, I think. One, because he heard me call his home run, and he decided to hit it for me, which was great. And he's very good in the field. I think he did have an error in this series, but it was only... His fourth error on the season, I think. And some of the plays that guy makes, Dan, is just spectacular. Well, and you could argue on that play, too, because he was off his bottom, I think, that he threw the ball. Miranda should have come off the bag. That was a costly error because it ended up at least one run scored on that play. And so uh, not a great play by Urshela, but I would, I would put some blame on Miranda there, too. Who do you got on your bench, Dan? I went with Kyle Garlick, and, and here's why. So he was 0 for 5 in Game 1, and then he didn't play in Game 2, but in Game 3, he's out there against a lefty, and he goes 0 for 4 with 3 strikeouts. He has to be mashing lefties, otherwise he is just not very valuable on this team. No, he's got to be mashing taters or lefties, Dan, and if he's not mashing either, he should be down in AAA. Well, yeah, and then he was and then he was 0 for 4 in Game 4, uh, and then in Game 5, he came in and he pinch hit, and he didn't get a hit there either. His average is down to 211, his OPS to 731. However, if there were a awards given Dan for closest home runs Kyle Garlic, I think, would be in the running this season. He has had some close ones. That's that's true. Um, who did you put on your bench? Yeah, so I think Garlic is probably the most deserving. I'm going to give it to Pagan, just because, my goodness, you give up a home run to Cameron, dot .195 batting average again, no home runs on the season, 85 miles an hour, middle-middle. What are you doing in that circumstance, even giving the guy an opportunity? He's the number nine batter, for crying out loud, Dan. You finally have a chance to at least salvage something out of this series, and you're throwing cookies over the mound like that disgusting dan thompson fans want an ejection there it goes and that was Gardy's gripe are you gonna start referring to everybody's batting average with a dot at the beginning of it too you know i think it's I picked always that up. dot it uh, always starts with a dot it's, it's got to have that dot i don't know like uh what's his name john boy media started doing that and i really <laughs> like it i don't know i like it all right well let's go to rockets rewind Rocco's Rewind. So for me, this is as much a question as it is an observation about Rocco. So he pinch hit Buxton here in this series, which was the first time that we'd seen Buxton pinch hit uh, during this Buxton keep him healthy treatment plan. He struck out. But my question to you, is this a turning point in Buxton's health or is it just a change in Rocco's managing? I think that Buxton is realizing that he may not get to 100%, and so he wants the opportunity to succeed in those big game situations. I think Rocco has been pressured a bit by Buxton, I'm guessing, that Buxton's like, here's the deal, my knee's jacked up. I don't know that me not swinging one time in a game is really going to fix it in the short term. So I think Buxton is just like, Give me the opportunities. No, and I was impressed that Buxton played games two and games three. I thought that was actually pretty smart because he's already kind of stretched out. He's played earlier in the day. I thought that was good. He he does end up sitting game four, uh, but he comes back for game five and is, is playing center again. So I'm encouraged by his health. Um, what, what did you have for Rocco? Yeah, so I got to say, letting Smelter go into the seventh in game two, I think was wise. Twins are up big. Let him see what he can do. And then only having to use Jax then to finish out that game was huge, even though obviously in the grand scheme of things, it didn't really matter because it didn't matter which pitchers we threw out there. It doesn't matter how many pitchers you use if your offense can't score any runs. And then also letting Archer get into the fifth was, was good to see. But really, there was nothing that Rocco could have done in this series that would have fixed any problems because all of the issues stemmed from the plate. Yeah, and I think, too, the, the Twins could point to games one and games five as games that they could win in this um, if the bullpen actually locks down. But the bottom line is that the offense just wasn't, wasn't good enough here to, to win any more than the one, really. All right, well, let's keep going to Minnesota moment. 
Minnesota moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually just piggyback real quick. It's gotta be Smeltzer's start, Dan. It was truly the lone bright spot getting into the seventh inning and really just a guy who you can tell wants to be here at the major league level. And he's gonna have a true test here coming up, Dan, against this next stretch. I think he even gets another start after that. I think he's earned that. His ERA is one point five. Well, and they don't have any other bodies, Dan always helps the cause. They don't, right? Because we haven't talked about this. So Joe Ryan is not yet back. Um, and now we've got Sonny Gray is on the injured list after seemingly lobbying to stay on after that pectoral issue. So they're down arguably their two best starters. We'll probably see Cole Sands for another turn. And again, not a great time uh, to be missing starting pitchers. No, and especially if any of them aren't vaxxed and so they can't make the trip to Toronto, these next few games in are going to get real interesting real fast. We'll see. We have to remember that it's only June and the Twins do still have a four and a half game lead in the Central. True story, Dan. What do you got for your moment i just think it's ironic that archer finally goes five innings and he doesn't get the win right like poor chris archer here he should he had pitched well enough here he would have gotten the win by i think all of our systems regardless of, <laughs> of who is we were deciding the scorekeepers or our own archers deserve the win here and i will say this i, I think he's going to actually stick around in this season we've talked about him for a long time now attrition might be part of this but i think chris archer has done enough to say, hey, he deserves that fourth or fifth spot in the rotation. I just, I have to point out, you just called it our system. <laughs> well, I did because I've embraced it. Now I'm with you again. On you, this. I know. I just love how many times you've mocked me about my about my concerns for the way that we score wins and give wins to pitchers. And all of a sudden, Dan does the quick side switch. Our system. Our system. It is. It's ours now, David, because I'm on board and therefore it's not just you, it's us. It's us, David. It's us. Oh, wonderful, Dan. I love it when it's us. Let's keep going. Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. David, is this team, when healthy, a team that can win a playoff series? Um, first of all, do you think we have seen this team fully healthy yet this season? Not really. Right. Yeah. Wait, because to me, healthy says that Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray are pitching right together, which has been a pretty rare occasion. So those guys, um, and then you've got to say you have Correa healthy. And then, you know, we, we talked about Royce Lewis in previous episodes, whether he's really core to this team. I don't think that he's core to this one. So I think we've seen it pretty close with the lineup. Well, no, because we have it. Well, because Sano and Kirloff are guys like we just don't know what this team actually is yet. When well, you're forgetting that Buxton has nary been 100 percent, I'd say. Right. And, well, so, and, and Maeda is- also on the 60 day IL who could potentially still return this season. So, and not to mention Randy Dobnak, David, we haven't even brought him into the podcast. We yet. haven't. I don't know what the deal is. That was so weird. It's like an injury to his finger. It's like a paper cut that just won't heal. I don't know what the deal is for Randy Well, are Dobnak. you going to answer my question then? Do you think they can win a playoff series? If they were at 100% health and all of the guys who we just listed who aren't currently playing for the Twins or who, who haven't played to their fullest potential this season, yes, they can win a playoff series. However, what will this team look like assuming they get to the postseason, Dan? is anybody's guess. What I will say about Royce Lewis is that he likely would have been on the playoff roster, right? So we, we may not know where he would have played, but he would have been on that roster almost almost without a doubt, I'd say. The number of caveats there, David, that you added before necessary. that. Necessary. Necessary, yeah, Dan. Because yeah. otherwise, otherwise the answer is no. Otherwise, the answer is no. What's your answer? I think you are. I have the exact same answer in that sense. I, I don't think that they can right now. And I also question whether they're really going to be fully healthy heading into the playoffs. But who else is going to catch them in this division, at least? I mean, like, that's really big to win a division now in this new playoff format is really crucial. Even if you're the third and you're hosting, at least you're hosting the whole three-game series. Yeah. 
What about you? What's your question? Here's the thing. We have said thus far this season, Dan, that the Twins really haven't played anyone. Like, they played the Dodgers, and they played the Astros, and then they played Boston and the Rays. I mean, who you could say are are better uh, than most. So we, we've been also heckled about this, that saying that the Twins haven't played anybody. Well, because they've mostly played AL Central opponents and, like, the Athletics. Like, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not a great... Oh, Baltimore, <laughs> I guess, too. Like, it's not this powerhouse schedule that we've played against. But so this next stretch, Dan, is rough. So they go to Toronto, home against the Yankees, and then they find themselves against the Rays again at home. So they'll have a six-game homestand, but it's against the Yankees and the Rays. So nine games, Dan Thompson, against these three opponents, what would you consider a successful result through these next nine games? I think four and five. I think if they can kind of tread water through it, again, because they're probably not going to have, they could get a start out of Sunny Gray late in that. Actually, no, they can't. I don't even think Sunny Gray would be back in time for any of this. So there's no Sunny Gray. Joe Ryan hopefully is back. You're going to need some dang good pitching out of this team to be close, not to mention you're going to want Correa back at some point in here. I mean, Celestino will come back. They just, they have so little depth right now on this team. I have a hard time saying they're going to win more than four. If they go four and five, I'd be thrilled, Dan. Honestly, I would be ecstatic. I'm expecting, not expecting, I'm hoping, Dan, that they take one from each of these series while their guys get healthy. And again, I just wish that they would have built more of a buffer in this five-game series against a far, far insuperior Detroit Tigers team. I think so too. And the irony, of course, if you put our questions together, is that this would be a great test to know how they would fare against some of these playoff Correct. teams. Yeah. And we're not going to find out because we're just not going to get a fair shake from this Twins roster. All right, David. Well, it's time. We have to go back to this Tiger series and grade it. Series grades. It's a D minus. I mean, they won a game. I want to give them an F. You know, no, forget this. Forget this. It's an F. This is a failure. You lost four of five to the Tigers, Dan. They're eight games back. What are you doing? You got to scrape together at least two wins out of this series. This is a failure, Dan Thompson. D. I would call it a D because they're so shorthanded. I'm going to give them the D. They're on the road. Not that Detroit is a hostile place, but we'll call it a D and we'll see where they go from here. You know, I'm glad that we have our balance back a little bit here, Dan. You were a little yeah, curmudgeonly yeah. last episode. It was a little bit off. Level-headed I felt a little bit again. weird. Yeah, I don't know. I'm cranky. I'm sleepy. What do you want me to do here, Dan? All right. So time for Herbie's headline. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's Headlines. Dan, it's the gift that just keeps giving. My (laughs) goodness. So now Mike Trout, we find out, Dan, the worst commissioner in fantasy sports is what I understand. Dan, I don't understand this. This is hilarious. But anytime you have a guy showing text threads and gifs that he sent to other MLB players in postgame interviews to discuss why he got slapped on the field, something has gone wrong. There's something just off about this whole situation. I think the buy-in to this league was like ten grand or something like that, which $10,000? You remove about three zeros from that. That's my typical (laughs) buy-in, Dan. Oh, my God. So, yes, so Mike Trout then holds a press conference, but then really says nothing about this thing. I don't know. It's hard for me to pick a side here because neither of the guys, and this is not Mike Trout, but Tommy Pham and Jack Peterson, neither of them seem like great people to hang out with or (laughs) even be in a fantasy league with. Like, what the heck? It's pretty hilarious. And yes, I think you're right, though, that so much of this just stems from there being so much money on the line. And like, yeah, it's easy to think that, oh, well, what's $10,000 to these guys who are making millions? But really, remember, you always got to remember with athletes, their earning potential is a very limited number of years and that can dwindle very quickly especially if your career takes a turn for the worse so i can understand why guys are still getting hot-headed about money dan is there anybody in your life who you even know who doesn't get somewhat stressed about money if things are difficult i guess it does bring up maybe the worst 
in people, and it's clearly brought out the worst in these guys. I just, Jack Peterson has this smugness about this that makes me yes. think he, there's more to it that I yes. don't understand. So I'm, I'm not trying to pick a side here on this, but it is interesting drama that has nothing to do with baseball no. and everything to do with... What does it have to do with David? I Nothing. Don't even I have no idea. But I think you're 100% right that people are having a hard time not... I don't even know how to say it. People are having a hard time being on Jock Peterson's side because it does look like there's these subtle undertones of things happening that we're just not aware of. All right, David. We have to move to Puckett's Picks with an asterisk, I think. And we'll see you Puckett's Picks. Here's the deal, folks. We didn't want to do Puckett's Picks prior to us knowing who's actually going to be playing in the series in Toronto. And not just who's going to be playing generally, but because of the weird vaccination status and some guys not traveling with the team, the Twins still have not released that. So what we're going to do is we're going to wait until the Twins announce the lineups and who actually made the trip with the team, and then we'll make the picks. I realize not great podcasting material to tell you that, hey, we're not going to do this segment (laughs) <laughs> but I don't know how else to handle this without us each giving like six names and then just hoping one of those guys plays. What a weird thing, David. What yeah. a weird thing that this is. Well, with that, David, I think it's time for you to send us out. Will do. Thank you, sir. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win and find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel. And if you could drop us a like and a subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Twins! That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins! Twins!